We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Flo, and here's my impression of a reality TV star explaining Progressive's discounts. So I was talking to Greg, and he said that Daly knew what Erica said about her when we were all on Marcus's boat, and I was like, you what? Wait for a seer drama because Progressive Totes has discounts like Safe Driver, Multi Policy, and Paid in Full. So it's not like he said, she said, shut up, whatever. So basic, you know? Discounts to help you save more. Now that's progressive. But then he was all, no way, Jose, because his name's Jose. Legit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Rotowire Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry today. All right, it is Tuesday, February 16th. Nick Whalen joined, as I always am, on Tuesdays by Rotowire's own DJ Trainer. Uh, and, and I have it under good authority that you're no longer going by the nickname Donkey Jam Trainer. 
Yeah, no, things have changed. I've matured <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. And um, the never-ending pursuit to give me a nickname, I think, continues. Well, I think it and does. I would, and I would just love to remind everybody out there that DJ is a nickname. And it's been going strong for 24 solid years, and I don't know why anybody would want to mess around it's with it. It's been going pretty strong. Um, how you know, dare you? How well, dare I you? mean, there was a reason that we had to find you a nickname. What, what was that reason, actually? I don't know. Was that, was that just organic? Ken Kreitz was bored. Okay. There we go. I think that's all we need. We don't need to say any more. Um, the trade deadline is on Thursday. It is at 2 o'clock our time in Madison, 3 o'clock for East Coasters. Um, earlier, I'm not going to do any more time conversions because that would not be a good idea. Um, but some names to watch. We're keeping an eye on a lot of guys. Ryan Anderson, his name's been in talks for a month. It seems like Kevin Love who's virtually been in trade talks since the day he came to Cleveland last summer. Dwight, Shumpert. That's a new one, actually, Amon Schumper. We'll get to that in a little bit. The entire Boston roster, uh, with a few exceptions, maybe seems to be uh, up for grabs for the right price. Markeith Morris, Al Horford, a ton of names on the table. Uh, so we'll just kind of break down, I guess. We don't really have much of a, an outline for this portion, but I just want a kind of general trade discussion, uh, I guess, right now. And we'll, we'll look at New Orleans first. This is a team that I think... About a month in, a month and a half in, the you know the panic button maybe started to to start flashing a little bit. You know, some guys came back from injuries that didn't really seem to help, and now they're in that spot where the bottom of the West isn't great. You know, you you can get the eight seed maybe if you're at forty forty one wins. Do they try to to make an acquisition to go for that, or do they try to sell off some guys? Tyreek Evans, Ryan Anderson, maybe a guy like Eric Gordon. Of course, they want to move the Ashik contract. What direction does New Orleans need to go as the deadline approaches? Oh, man. If you go on our website and you look at their depth chart, we cross out players who are not playing at this time. And man, it's it's really hard to read their depth chart because everybody's crossed out. I think there was some kind of, you know, a growing notion a couple months ago to to just hang tight. Just hang tight with this core. It really isn't that bad. Um, you know, Tyreek Evans, Eric Gordon has never stayed on the court, but Anthony Davis, Omar Ashik, uh, Ajinka, everybody, all those good guys. It's it's not a bad team. But at some point, like just cut your losses and blow it all up. The funny thing here is, Nick, is if they redo things and restructure things, they have to essentially just go young, right? There's no rebuilding around Anthony Davis. It's essentially, let's get as much young talent in here as we can. So if you're going to do that, I mean, by all means, Anderson's out the door. Ashik is out the door. Might as well get rid of Gordon. Why would you Why would you retain Evans? I mean, you're blowing up everybody except Davis if you decide to trade one of them, right? It's not, it's not, it's not a one, uh, you know, one or two and man, we're going to be good. It's like everybody or nothing, right? I think so. I, well, I mean, so you're saying they Davis is kind of in a class of his own as an asset, and everyone else is kind of on another tier as far as like they can they'd be willing to part with all those guys. Well, I think if you're going to trade Ryan Anderson, then you're probably willing to get rid of everybody else because I think you either like this core right now and you're just hoping they'll be healthy next year, or you don't like it at all and you just got to start completely from scratch. Sans Anthony Davis, right? I, well, I think I think you can keep some of these guys around if you want, but I mean, the more of it. I think it's his contract issues at this point. Um, you know, Ryan Anderson is a guy who's expiring. I think that that makes him, in some cases, more valuable. Um, in some cases, less valuable. I guess depending on what trade partner you're looking to. And, and you can say that about so many of these guys. You know, um, you know, Holiday, Drew Holiday, and Greg Monroe uh, has been another deal that's been discussed. That that's kind of seemed to heat up 
you know, as of Tuesday morning. Again, though, who who really knows where these talks are actually at? There's sources coming in from all over the place. We've seen deals come out of nowhere. We've seen deals that have been discussed for days not end up happening. So it's important to keep that in mind. But if you have a guy like Holiday or a guy like Monroe, who are basically in the same situation contract-wise, Monroe's deal uh, is about 5 or $6 million richer, but lengthwise are the same, you know, you're getting a year and a half. So in Milwaukee's case, I think you're bringing in Drew Holiday on a very favorable deal. I think he signed something like a four for 44 uh, a few years ago. You're getting a year and a half of him to kind of decide if it's worth keeping him around. Basically what they did with Michael Carter-Williams at the deadline last year. And then if you're New Orleans, you basically get a year and a half to determine if you want to keep Greg Monroe around. Uh, he can opt out after next year. So some teams, I guess, kind of see that as an advantage. You know, it's it's you're not committed long term to to this guy that you're bringing in, not knowing if he's going to fit with you. But at the on the flip side, if he does fit with you, then all of a sudden you're scrambling to re-sign him a year and a half later. So, yes, and I don't really remember this particular asset of, of trading pieces coming up in, in the, over the last few years like you get a year and a half to try them out and you know and then like and and do that I've I don't really remember that coming up a whole lot um, it seemed like in the past it was more of if you look at uh, Markeith Morris's contract very friendly over the next four years he's not going to make more than 8.3 million dollars at any point over the next four years and so that was saying wow we got to get him because he's locked into a favorable contract now this year it's like oh it's pretty awesome that he'll be a free agent in a year and a half because then we can cut ties with him seems like things like this are cyclical and just the way that the contracts and the people that are on the block right now are it's it seems like a like a trending topic if you will to say uh, a tryout yeah and and it's not it's not necessarily a tryout especially for teams that are trying to make moves this season you know I, I don't think they have necessarily the luxury of just being able to kind of run a guy out there and then try different things and see how he looks. Some teams, you know, Philadelphia, LA, teams like that, Brooklyn can do things like that. But if you're a team like New Orleans and you, no one seems to know what the mandate is coming down from ownership. Um, you know, does Dell Demps really have full control? What is he allowed to, what pieces is he allowed to move? What kind of future assets is he allowed to move? No one's really sure. But if you're bringing in a guy like Monroe, I think if the mandate is we still want to make the playoffs this year, all of a sudden you're under a lot of pressure to make that work. Ugh, I mean, come on, just give it up, right? Realistic expectations. I, I think so too. I mean, you don't want to. I think the argument is you don't want to waste any Dave, any of Davis's prime. You know, not making the playoffs. But the Golden State Warriors are the number one seed in the West, and the San Antonio Spurs and the Oklahoma City Thunder are right behind them. These are three historically good teams. I think it. You never want to just say, just just try again next year. But really, I mean, it's you just this collection of guys, like, where are you going to go? At best, you lose in the first round. No, there are teams that have far better records than them right now that should give up, right? Um, so we're talking like the Clippers are kind of on the verge of maybe just giving it up and, and, and looking at next year. Grizzlies, uh, Trailblazers, I well, we think talked you can about make this argument. The, uh, sorry to interrupt, but we talked about this in the last pod, and it was, or one of the last pods, and basically we came down to the argument of like, so there should be 26 teams that should really be yeah. selling. And it's like, is everybody trying to, like, you can't sell to these other teams that are also trying to sell. Like, are we going to have a pool of, you know, high-priced free agents just sitting there because nobody <laughs> wants them? I, I don't know. It's it's tough. It, there, there's never, I don't know if there's ever been a situation where you can look at yourself as a playoff team, a top four playoff team in the East or even in the West, in the case of the Clippers and, and the Thunder to an extent, and look and say, I just I just don't know if we have a chance against this team, you know? 
Well, I mean, the Pelicans should be saying that. But if you look at these guys, like Tyreek Evans is a solid player. Ideally, if he's a six-man off your bench, you're going to be a very good team. Eric Gordon can shoot the heck out of the ball from beyond the arc. And so, uh, I mean, again, that's valuable in a lot of places. Ryan Anderson, we know how valuable he is and how much buzz he's getting around the league. Ashik is, is a salary cap dump. But I'm just saying that if the Pelicans decided to look themselves in the mirror, realize that they only have one player that's really worth holding on to for the, over the next five years, then if they say that to themselves – they could get a lot of uh, draft stock coming up over the next five years, and I know it's it's not fun to think about that. You can't you can't go into full tank mode with Anthony Davis? I know, but if you get a bunch of draft picks, maybe you can channel draft picks into another pick that you can play alongside him. Um, if you do get Monroe, and then you get I don't know, just like one backcourt option, then Monroe Davis and one backcourt option like a CJ McCollum or something like that would be pretty interesting. How are you getting CJ McCollum? Dude, you got to sell high on him. You got to sell <laughs> For what, high on though? him. Like, who, who do well, the Pelicans if, have? If you that slowly the... but surely trade off Ryan Anderson, if you trade off Tyreek Evans, Eric Gordon, and acquire some picks, maybe a couple interesting contracts or something like that, you could piece the, you could piecemeal this whole thing together and get three solid players. And you know, if if everyone is, uh, think or if Anthony Davis is as good as everyone thinks he is, then if he has two just solid and reliable players within the same starting five. Of him it should be able to be a four or five seed in the west right i mean that's what we're billing I anthony davis to i think be. i think that sounds better on paper i mean that no look at where we're at in the nba now we I mean, look at the clippers starting lineup i mean that you got the arguably the best point guard of his generation you have one of the better power forwards uh when healthy in his of his generation one of the better you know current day nba type of centers in deandre jordan you know, I, I don't know where he falls he's a weird he's a weird guy in, in terms of like all-time rank and he's certainly not in the class of of an all-timer by any means but you know he's he's a guy whose game is so uniquely tailored to how the nba works right now mm-hmm. that I, I do wonder how that'll affect his legacy but that's neither here nor there i just think you need you need more you can't just say davis greg monroe and some other decent player will be enough i got i do i do not hate the idea of trying to just stockpile picks and then maybe flipping those picks for a you know a guy who's a little more ready mm-hmm. than a rookie um but i mean they do have davis under under contract for five more years after this one which is nice but by absolutely the start of the 2017-18 season you need to be a contender i think okay i mean (laughs) we always talk about teams making moves so they can become a contender over the next five six years is there any franchises that look themselves in the mirror and say oh man like we're just screwed for the next 10 years like when the next player pool comes out that's when we really need to attack I feel like if you're the New Orleans Pelicans yeah you like Anthony Davis but I'm starting to think that he's not a he's He's not going to be able to put a team on his back and take it to the championship. Yeah, I know it's somewhat early in his career, but he has one of the most injury-marred careers so far for a superstar in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not too worried about that. I don't think you can... So you're GM of the Pelicans. What do you do? Who? Which pieces are you trading away, and what's your two- to three-year plan? Because it's, I mean, it's fun to talk about like all this stuff hypothetically, but if, if we had the keys to the car, what, you know, what would your moves be? Well, in some ways or in many ways, it it matters what you're being offered. You know, I mean, you don't, you can't just say we're trading this guy no matter what, this guy no matter what. Um, Based on what we've talked about, I think it's I'm it's, I'm on board with tanking this year. So if that okay. means trading Ryan Anderson's expiring, sure. I think you you want to get rid of that Ashik deal. 
but it's all it's not crippling you know i mean it's that that last year is an option it it's not something you want on your books but you're also you're not it's not a joe johnson deal you know it's not that rich it's it's just they never should have given him five years eric gordon i'm fine with getting rid of his expiring tyreek evans i mean you look at where he's been in his career and it's hard to say he's ever had the fairest shake but he's also not a a proven winner by any means um i don't think you have to get rid of him you know if he's on the team going into the summer and maybe you reevaluate them that's fine holiday i kind of feel the same way he's still going to have value you still have him under a contract next year but i think you got to take advantage of the the gordon and anderson expirings for sure i think that goes without saying good we're on the same page as that because you can't just let him walk if you know if you know or you realize that this qua or this core isn't going to do it you got to get rid of him so eric gordon's coming up ryan anderson and maybe they can make those same decisions next year before at this point in 12 months essentially with Drew Holiday and with Tyreek Evans and so they can kind of feel how the team is going next year and decide um you know i mean in essentially 12 months we could say wow they did get rid of four of their top you know four of their top 5 players and they did kind of go that route i don't i don't think that's unreasonable whatsoever since their contracts are expiring so uh, too much talk about the Pelicans, though. Although I would say that they, they probably their phone is probably getting the most rings out of anybody this trade deadline, right? Yeah, I, I think with the quality of those expirings and the situation that they're in, and kind of the vulnerability of their GM, I think maybe uh, I think that maybe helps. But we have a trade to break. It looks like it just happened. The um, the Detroit Pistons are sending Ursan Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings to Orlando for Tobias Harris. So that's that's confirmed. That's uh, that is confirmed as far as we're aware from Sam Amico, Fox Sports Ohio, a number of other outlets seem to be picking it up as we go. So instant reaction, what do you think? I well, who's going to play the stretch four in Detroit now? Because I guess Tobias, Tobias. Harris. Yeah, I mean, Mark, know Marcus Gundy, Morris has been doing it too. Yeah, I mean, we know Van Gundy loves the stretch four back in Orlando. Ryan Anderson, who we've been talking about, was his stretch four, and that dynamic worked really well. Especially if you want to compare Dwight Howard to Andre Drummond, I think that's a very fair comparison. So if he's trying to recreate that dynamic, a stretch four to Tobias Harris, I suppose, playing um, the Ryan Anderson role makes a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah, Ursan Ilyasova has been a middle-of-the-road player. I think Tobias Harris has far more potential. We knew Brandon Jennings was going to be one of the most prime candidates to move. Ursan Ilyasova, you don't love him. You don't hate him necessarily either. So I think uh, fair trade from the Detroit side of things. From the Orlando side of things, though, um, I don't love it from them. You know what I mean? You have Alfred Payton. You have Victor Oladipo, who's been playing point guard. You bring in Brandon Jennings, who I'm assuming they they think that he's going to sign with them next year because expiring contract. Yeah, well, that's it's weird because I I don't understand it. I mean, I that's I don't, I'm clearly a little bit speechless. I don't like this ordeal or this deal. I should say for Orlando at all. I mean, you're trading a guy in Harris that you have on what's going to look like a pretty nice deal, four for sixty four. I don't know who you replace him with. Well, see, the thing is, I understand getting rid of a small forward because you have Harris, you have Fournier, you have Aaron Gordon, who can play the three, and then you have Hazonia, um, who basically is not playing because there's too much depth there. But what you got, I, I, I understand freeing up the small forward position, but what you got in return... I mean, you muddle the power forward even more. You have Aaron Gordon starting there, and you have Chan- Channing Fry and Jason Smith, who's a solid backup off the bench. 
I don't know. This I think guy, it opens the door for Aaron Gordon, right? I mean, it kind of. I don't know who else steps up. So Urson is going to be a bench fodder for the rest of the year. Is that kind of what you're saying? Because are you going to essentially? Well, not it's necessarily. Gonna, Channing Fry and Urson Ilyasova are going to share time off the bench, right? Yeah, I think Aaron Gordon or Aaron Gordon slides up into that. I think those three kind of man the. Maybe you can throw Fournier in there a little bit. They kind of man the three four, similar to how Morris and Ilyasova, with a little bit of Tolliver, uh, kind of handled that in Detroit. I love this deal for the Pistons. This is a this is an excellent deal. I think you're buying relatively low, buying at value maybe, I guess, mm-hmm. and certainly not high on Tobias Harris, but this this gets them into the into the playoff conversation much more than they were Detroit 5 minutes ago, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh instant reaction. This is really cool. Um not something you usually get when you're in podcast format. I will say this though, because of the way this trade is breaking down, I think that Channing Fry, Victor Oladipo, or Peyton is going to be traded before Thursday's deadline after this trade. I think you kind of have to. I, I wouldn't say that's a lock, but you, you know you got to free up space somewhere, right? I don't. I don't know that the Oladipo and Peyton situation. Clearly, they weren't satisfied with it, and if you're giving up the Harris contract and and him as an asset for a guy on an expiring, like you said, I think. The expectation is that they'll at least try to resign him, right? So, at that why point, why would you acquire him if you right? Shouldn't, yeah. So, I mean, the, the implication there then, I think, is you know you're not sold on at least one of Oladipo and Peyton. I think to me that's probably Peyton. What's the market for him? Who knows? I almost wonder. Do you think they could have done? I, I don't know how this would work out salary wise. Do you think they could have just flipped Alfred for Jennings, just because of the contracts? Hmm. As far as Detroit being able to control, of course. Well, why would Detroit want him? You know what I mean? Like, why is that who you'd want? He's not a shooter, that? but yeah, but yeah. it's just basically a young point guard. You know, give him a shot. He has kind of again, kind of going back to the MCW situation. We don't want to pay Jennings this summer. You know, yeah. well, why not? We'll just give. We'll just grab this young asset, even though he hasn't played that well. He's a first rounder. Yes. You, to answer your question, I think it makes perfect sense. You might as well see what he has to offer. But if we're thinking about what Detroit truly needs, not just like, oh yeah, sure, we'll take that kind of deals. What they truly needed, and what we said from the get-go of the season, is that shooting guard, small forward, power forward was pretty thin. And now they did. Van Gundy's done a pretty good job of making a cohesive unit out of that with Stanley Johnson coming off the bench. But in reality, we said that would be a rotating shift between those three shot spots. You bring in Tobias Harris to bring in some stability, somebody obviously that can start, but that you feel confident about starting over the not you know the rest of the season, but the next few years. Right. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised how early a deal like this came down. You know, I wouldn't say this is a blockbuster, but you know, I mean, you got you got it's three nice pretty big deal. name guys. You know, three starting caliber players. Uh, changing locations already. So Brandon Jennings, I, I'm going to have to get a Brandon Jennings throwback Magic jersey. I think that's going to be priority number one. First of all, how do you find time to tweet while we're recording a podcast? And your tweets are hilarious. I it mean, is that what was, it is, man. It was a, it was a very Nick Whalen-esque tweet uh, on par mid-conversation with me. Obviously, I'm just not intellectually stimulating <laughs> enough for if, you. Yes, if, if you've heard like typing in the background, it definitely wasn't that. Um, doing a lot of research. No, I don't know. I mean, it's, just kind of keep it up on the side. I'm, I'm listening to everything you're saying. Don't worry. Um, all right. So now we have to go back to hypothetical trades, which kind of so- sucks now. Like, I, that, this is exciting. Um, well, this is one. Uh, I'm so hesitant to even bring this up. But this is one that was mentioned on, on the Bill Simmons podcast yesterday. And it was mentioned 
of course, just as a complete hypothetical, you know, no no bearings behind this whatsoever. This was just a, a Bill Simmons basically conversation topic, but it was interesting, and it got and I, I tweeted it out and got some 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 varied responses from Bucks fans and Lakers fans. Uh, so there's a sneak peek. Jabari Parker straight up for D'Angelo Russell. So funny story real quick is I saw you tweet this out last night. I saw it late last night, and I was going to re- respond to it. I was going to be like the 100th response you've gotten to it. Fell asleep trying to respond to it. So I woke up with phone on my chest re- replying to that tweet. We talked about it a little bit, though, yesterday. Um, I don't know why the Lakers would do that. I think it's a dumb move for the Lakers. That's I think so, too. Point blank, that's it. You know what I mean? I think that the Bucks would be fortunate and very, very lucky to spread out some of the potential they have. We've ta- how many times have we talked about it? They have three players, the three most uh, or their three best players with the most potential over the next five years. Getting rid of Greg Monroe out of this conversation, all play the same position. They all play small forward, and so if you can spread that out and move one over to point guard, uh, a position where the Bucks have made dumb decisions. Not o- not only for the last ten years, but over the last six months, with bringing in Grievous Vasquez, Jared Bayless, OJ Mayo is starting over MCW, and so if you bring in Clarkson, at least you just gr- get rid of that massive question mark that hangs over the pointing point guard slot. That's very true, and that was kind of the point that that Bill made on the podcast was, you know, Milwaukee has two guys right now that they're trying to develop at the same position in Parker and Giannis and I say clearly... three because I think Middleton can play small sure. forward yeah exactly yeah. I, th- I think all three of those guys are small forwards Middleton can play shooting guard that's fine with me um, but but trying trying Parker at the four clearly hasn't worked uh, and I'm just not sure that the signs are there that you know it's even really been close so if you, I mean if you can get a guy like Russell who in a lot of ways is kind of the equivalent to Parker at the point guard spot you know, flashes here and there, but really nothing great. Looks okay sometimes. But the big thing with Russell is like there's a coaching shadow of Byron Scott hanging over all this that I think vindicates him a lot more than Parker, who, to be fair, has his own shadow. That was the knee injury. Um, but to me, that's not, you know, he's been over that for, you know, two thirds of a season now. There's three things that I'm will- willing to benefit uh, Russell more so than I am Jabari, and that's one you mentioned it. Byron Scott is just doing some some loony things over there. I also think the whole Kobe Kumbaya saga farewell tour, um, you know, is is taking away a lot of focus that should be put into these young players like uh, like D'Angelo or like Julius. And the third one is that. I'm always going to give the benefit of the doubt to rookie point guards more so than rookie small forwards or front court options. We're seeing guys like Jalil Okafor and Carl Anthony Towns come into this game right away, have an instant effect. But how often do we see that with point guards, even your best point guards? It takes some time to adjust to the speed, passing lanes, all of that good stuff. So I think there's a lot to be said. I've said this many times. I'll say it again. I think D'Angelo Russell's Potential is the same today as it was when they drafted him. That certainly cannot be said for Jabari Parker. Um, I apologize for the cough. I'm a little bit, little bit under the weather today. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's the potential. You know, that, that's such a kind of a word that's thrown around so often. You know, I, you know, at what point does a potential diminish? Who knows? I, think, I don't really want to get into that argument. But I think I've been more encouraged by what I've seen from Russell than what I've seen from Parker. And to be fair, I haven't seen as much of Russell as I have of Parker. And I think I've maybe been a little bit more critical of Parker. Um, But, you know, there's just not a precedent. We've said this over and over. There's just not 
much of a precedent for wing you know guys who are billed as playmaking scoring wings coming in and struggling you know to this level through what's essentially their first NBA season yeah Tyreek Evans had a great rookie season you know what I mean rookie of the year rookie of the year he came hit the ground running and and boom took off right away knee surgery all that good stuff we've covered it covered it over and over it's nice to see it getting some more run because we were very early on the bandwagon to this whole topic um you know when when Jabari eventually does get traded they'll say Nick Whalen and DJ trainer first to bitch about this whole thing to begin with uh but uh you know we'll get our credit in due time Bucks fans are just are not ready for this at all and the the responses I got were, were pretty hilarious actually to, to the tweet it was yes resounding no from Lakers fans and a resounding no from Bucks fans <laughs> So I don't know what Sounds that. Like I don't know how to. Trade. How do you interpret that? Fair trade. Fair yeah. Trade. Keep it going. We got we got lots of good ones here. Okay. Um. I don't. I don't necessarily have any more that are drawn up in that vein as this guy for this guy. But we talked about Kevin Love. Um. This is one I'm. As someone who is a not so closeted LeBron supporter, uh, a lot of the time. You know, this this is big for me. This is a big, it's a big couple of days. Um, <laughs> what happens with the Bucks? It's like you know, I mean, it's really not going to move the needle this year. But this Kevin Love stuff, I don't know. Shumpert is apparently being shopped. Um, I, I Windhorse. I saw this. I saw this via Twitter. Um, Windhorse went on a, on a radio program this morning, and, and someone on Twitter tweeted out what he said, basically implying that the Cavs are questioning Shump's effort uh, and not necessarily. Not necessarily he's not playing hard, but I think the implication was that he's focused more on his fashion line and his rap career than than he was last year. I mean, he's shooting terribly from the field. He hasn't been the same guy. He had the injury early in the year. So, I mean, a guy who I think is, was billed as and is their best perimeter defender, if you're going to deal him, you need to make sure you're getting another kind of ace perimeter defender back, right? Yeah, most definitely, because you're um, you're really screwed if you don't have him on Shumpert in the lineup, because we're talking J.R. Smith, we're talking Matthew, Matthew Della Vadova playing alongside Kyrie Irving. So the way you shape that out, yeah, Della Vadova is an agitator and you like that, but I, I Irving's not that great on defense either, so you're going to get exposed one way or another there. Uh, Mo Williams, Richard Jefferson has been playing shooting guard at, at points this season, so if you get rid of him, you don't like it. So here's the thing, my whole take on that. We know that you know players get involved with other things and they lose focus throughout the NBA season. I mean, that's that's why your Fairweather fan doesn't enjoy the NBA is because you don't see the same aggression and the same passion during the regular season that you do in the playoffs. Now, here's the thing. Once they're in the playoffs, Shumpert is going to focus himself. Like he, He's going to refocus. And so I think you're going to get what you hope to get out of him in the playoffs. In the meantime, you just need to, you know, shake him a couple times and say, "Hey, man, I mean, let's let's get it going here." We understand that it's it's a long season, but just just shape up, just just a smidge I'd, at least. I'd be interested to see where that report came from, um, because or what what Shumpert's response to that would be. You know, I, I don't think any player would ever want their effort called into question at all, and it's hard to believe that when you're leading the East and you're kind of charging toward what most think will be your second finals, that you'd be able to lose focus like that. So I don't know. Maybe there's not too much to read into. I would still be fairly surprised if they dealt Shumpert. I think to me that just means he's available, you know, as kind of a secondary type of deal. Like if they really shake things up, you know, he was a guy that I think I had at least assumed was fairly untouchable uh, just in the value that he brings as a defender. But I don't know. I mean, the fact that they're opening him up now, would they be willing to package him with Kevin Love for somebody? Who knows? Uh, but speaking of Kevin Love, 
yes or no, should the Cavs trade him? No way. No I way. I agree. I agree. Unless no unless you're getting some kind of godfather offer, and honestly, I don't know what that is. 100. What do the Cavs need? Wiggins? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be absolutely crazy. Would, the Wolves would never even entertain that, right? Why not? I don't. I don't think they would. But what if Wiggins caps off this season as he has? Eh, kind of not great. The Cavs look pretty good, but they lose in the finals. All of a sudden, we're at the deadline next year. Wiggins is kind of plateaued again. <laughs> I cannot believe we somehow got down the the rabbit hole of talking love for Wiggins. But I don't think I don't think Minnesota does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not. Could you pair I, love with Towns? I think so. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Totally. Yeah, I like it a lot, actually. I like it quite a bit. And there's talk about Ricky Rubio moving out of town. Maybe if they get a viable option at point guard who can shoot the ball just even a little bit. Deli so. and love for Wiggins and Rubio. Hmm. I'm a tactile <laughs> Which does learner, not work so I can't really, um, can't really visualize that in my head. But, yeah, no, it's it's funny to talk about. This Cleveland, I mean... Here's here's what I'm going to say, and then we, we should move on. Cleveland Cavaliers gave the Warriors a very good series when they only had LeBron, right? you got to take your chances, right? You have to take your chances again. If it doesn't work this year and Love gets exposed on defense and he's the reason why you lose, then you say, all right, let's, let's move on. But, like, can everybody just chill out? How many times do I have to say that this exact Cavaliers team would have challenged for every single title over the last nine of the ten years? It's absolutely crazy to me that they're that they're so seemingly behind the scenes hush hush ready to actually move on from love and and of course they know things that we don't who knows what's going on within the organization but you haven't even played a full playoff series with this guy you went to the finals without this guy how could you possibly want to you have him under contract you know it's not like he's expiring and you're worrying about not getting anything back like you can you can do this deal next year his value's not going to get any worse you can do it the year after that you if could you do want it to. that too yeah i and i know lebron's on the clock you know this the team the way they're constructed is so fluid with you know adding guys here and there piecing everybody in but i don't see lebron falling off to the point next year where your window is significantly you know more closed sure closeder so closest um so if you scrap everything and say let's build a team around around lebron what would we want just in theory we'd probably want to stretch for right a nice stretch for right um you know some solid rebounders uh somebody who can take the load off scoring wise i think we get get that with the small uh, the stretch four, maybe a point guard or a shooting guard or something like that i mean if you're creating a team around lebron james you're creating the Ca- cleveland Cavaliers. you just you basically have the Cavs, but mozgov is playing better and loves yes. a better defender that's the exactly. thing you need yeah you switch out healthy Ibaka for love or healthy Bosch for love, then I think I like the team maybe a little bit more. But that's an you just got to realize like, it's pretty rare to put together a perfect team that goes eight or nine deep. It just, it just doesn't work like that. Exactly. No, this is a very, very well-constructed team. They're very good. And, you know, I think that they are should you know have the best odds of winning the finals and we've talked about this before i put 50 dollars on the line with james this weekend um it was binding because whalen was there to approve of it that's correct i think that if you're going to put money on anybody to make or to win the finals it needs to be the team that you think is going to reach the finals right and so um the best odds of winning the finals is probably coincides with the team that can reach the finals and so i think the cavaliers have the easiest path to get there so they're therefore i think they're the safest bet 
Do I think the Warriors could go and sweep and go through and beat the Cavs and everybody else? Sure. But I think the road to the finals from the Western side of things is a little more treacherous than the Cavs. So safest bet, Cavs for me. I think that's a pretty fair statement to make. The The West still remains a bit more treacherous. All right, be part of all the action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official DFS partner of Rotowire. With Daily Fantasy, you don't need to spend months micromanaging a roster. You can play whenever you want, pick a new team every time you play, challenge your friends in a custom league to prove you're the superior GM, or you can square off against basketball fans from around the country for big prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now, enter the promo code ROTOHOOPS that'll let you play free with your first deposit. DraftKings, the official partner of Rotowire. Again, that promo code is ROTOHOOPS, and you can use that at DraftKings.com. All right, second half predictions. We're not doing. We're not going to do the normal second half predictions. You know who's the MVP, who's all that. Uh, I think that's kind of played out. But I wanted to ask you a few more uh, subjective, I guess. Uh, played out by us, by the way. Played out by us. Yeah, we are. But basically, the reason we're not doing those is because we already did those. Um, so, but but technically, still played out. So I wanted to ask you some that are a little bit more. I guess, for lack of a better term, off the wall, but not not too goofy. I think we kind of resisted that. Which injury, uh, which major injury will have the biggest effect over these last 30-odd games of the season? Marcus Gasol in Memphis, Kid Gilchrist with the Hornets, Chris Bosh. It was a blood caught uh, issue right now. That one's still a little bit more up in the air. Or Blake Griffin. Yeah, I think we both agree Gasol here because this team could very well tank out of playoff contention. Uh, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, I think Bosh is a close second if we're just going to say Unfortunately, like it seems like it's leaning towards that he might just end up missing the rest of the season like he did last year. Missed 30 games last last year. Uh, by the way, this was uncovered, and I didn't know this, that his blood clot last year originated in his calf and moved up to his lung. Mm-hmm. He had a and, bruised calf. Yep. yep, bruised calf. And so this is pretty much the same situation here. Uh, once again, obviously, they're, they're very, uh, very mindful of that. I think... Bosch, the loss of Bosch is a close second because I do think that if there are teams out there that could challenge the Cavs um, to play in the Eastern Conference Finals, Miami could be a pesky team with Whiteside, with Bosch, with Drogic. I mean, Wade, um, solid off the bench. You've got Luol Deng. You've got some veterans that if they're healthy, they could piece together a couple of games and, and give this Cavs team a run for their money. So therefore, I, you know, I agree with you, Gasol. But Bosch is a very close second to me because I think he's the heart and soul of that team. Without him, I, th- I think they stand absolutely no shot. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot like last season where you know they were kind of in the same spot for a lot of the year and you know more injuries last year. But hanging around, hanging around, Bosch goes down. You know everything's over, and I think that's going to be the case again. Uh, hopefully, he's not out for an extended period of time. I, I don't know how long he. I don't know what the minimum is. They haven't really released a timetable whatsoever, so we'll have to wait and see on that. But I think the expectation is that he's going to miss at least, you know, a decent chunk of time. Griffin, you know, hard to take away anything from him, especially the way he played in the playoffs last year. And they should get him back uh, prior to the playoffs or right around playoff time. But the way they played, what are they, eighteen and five without him this year? I mean, it's, Seven it's, and three you just can't, the last ten. Yeah, you can't. I don't. I don't think it's. It would be fair to when they're playing that well without him to, uh, you know, to say he'll have the greatest effect. Kid Gilchrist, a guy everyone loves. You know what he brings defensively. They've been. They were playing well before the break with him in there, but they also played pretty well in the, at the start of the year uh, without him when he had the first torn labrum. Just, I mean, a guy who's when healthy a top 10 overall defender maybe a top five overall defender you can't really necessarily put a price tag on that but 
I think the biggest change for Charlotte this year is just they've added shooting. They can they can shoot the three ball after not really being able to shoot it at all last year, and and that's really not one thing that he does. So if they didn't have Nick Batum on the roster, maybe Kid Gilchrist is my pick here. But I think I think this certainly hurts them and hurts any real chances that they had of of kind of maybe pulling an upset in the first round. But I think they're a little they're in better position to weather it this year than they than they would have been last year. Yeah, spot on. But I think with MKG. They would have been a dangerous team in the East. And so I know I keep saying these dangerous teams in the East, um, but I love the Batum, MKG, uh, Walker lineup. I, I like it a whole lot. And to, to answer your question directly, uh, top 10 defender, yeah, he definitely is because all you need to do is look at him on offense and the way he shoots the ball and to realize that he must be a top 10 defender for the way he shoots the ball, so for how poorly he shoots it. Uh, man, I really liked he just hit the ground running there and, you know, just took off and he was instantly a crucial part of their lineup there for you started know, five, his first game back. Yeah. He played like 32 minutes his first game back after not playing all season long. So I like personally, I think it kind of stinks because I think the Hornets were really about to hit their stride, but Gasol, uh, Bosch, MKG, and then probably Griffin is how I'd go in terms of most important losses for those respective teams. All right, moving on. The team that will make a surprising playoff push, whether this means getting into the playoffs, moving up a little bit, or kind of maybe being a surprise team once the playoffs hit. Who, who is that for you? Well, it was Detroit before this trade, and now it's especially Detroit. Um, I like how rock solid they were in terms of keeping their starting five for the whole season long. I think that would do, uh, do good things for you in the playoffs uh, and of course you have to look at Houston. I mean, this is all the same pieces as last year, right? And so that if they ever had all their switches flip at the same time, this team could instantly be a top team in the West and, and nobody would really argue with that, right? If they all started playing to their full potential, if Howard started playing better, if Harden started playing right. better, if Lawson chipped in and he was the Lawson of old off the bench running their second union, I mean, this is a team that could challenge the top people in the West a little bit, right? I mean, they they have the that's, type of pl- caliber players where they could do it. Yeah, and that's the reason I put Houston in here. I mean, as we as we talk you know, on this Tuesday, they're not even in the playoffs. Um, but you know, when you're comparing them to the other teams in that tier—Dallas, Portland, Utah, Memphis—I expect to fall. You know, you, we have proven commodities on this Houston team, even though they haven't been proven this season. Uh, that's for sure. But we saw how good they can be, and I think for me, even though that you know it's kind of pathetic in some ways to hold out hope and just say you know. Maybe once they get to 65 games, they'll finally the, the switch will finally flip. But we have seen them all play so well, you know, and maybe not together, and maybe not all at, all at the same time. But just the fact that there is that sample out there, whether it's you know kind of fool's gold or not, this is a team that made it to the Western Conference Finals last year and is basically still intact. And you know, there's there's really no excuse to be one game under 500 through 55 games. So I think almost a law of averages you know, type of thing has to come into play. And you say like, you know, if you're if you're Golden State or San Antonio and you're you're playing seven or eight seed and you, you can choose between Portland, Utah, Houston, and I don't know Sacramento, I don't Houston's probably last on that list just because they have the potential to score 125 points every night. Do they do it every night? Absolutely not, but they can do it. We've we've seen what their ceiling is. Yeah, most definitely. I, I tell you what, if they if they lump their way into the seven seed and they play the Thunder, who's a two seed, Houston could give the Thunder an interesting series. I, I, I'm not 
I'm, I'm not willing to write them off. Not even, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but even beyond that, I think that they can win a couple series. Because like you said, all the pieces they had from their Western Conference final run last year are, are on this team. And so um, I'm, I, I think they're still a very dangerous team. And yeah, they're, I'm talking about the ninth team in the West. Interesting topic here, though. Seeding falling back. I think these are fun to talk about as well. We've talked about Memphis. We've talked about Miami. But the tra- Portland Trailblazers, for me, are somebody that is a prime candidate to fall way out of playoff contention just because the load has been shouldered by two guys, and that is so physically taxing. I don't think they can keep it up. Yeah, no, that's true. I, 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 don't, necessarily, or I don't disagree with that uh, at all. I think Atlanta is a candidate. To fall back, that could be a trade. What? Because of trade? Because essentially they have the same players. Right. You know what if I mean? they don't, if they don't make any moves, then they probably play this out and and finish somewhere between three and seven. That's fine if they want to do that. If they kind of follow through or or I guess prove true some of the rumors that have been surrounding Teague, Horford, even Corver. Uh, there's been some Millsap whispers. If they move, you know, two or three of any of those guys. All of a sudden, who knows where this team could go? Um, you know, d- depending on what direction they try to go with those moves, do you, you try to get a guy like Howard, who's been somewhat linked to Atlanta? Maybe then, you know, you look at that them as a team that could maybe catch lightning in a bottle and move up a little bit. But it's hard to see any of those guys unless you package them all for one big piece. You know, to to really move the needle much for Atlanta. I think I think they're a team that's going to end up trending down. I think Portland, somewhat. You know, I mean they they've overachieved this is another law of averages one where i like portland a ton i hope they don't fall back at all but 27 and 27 at this point is about as as good as things could have gone yeah i mean our our pre preseason talks and pods i thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the nba and again let me remind you that mccollum was not who we he is today um so he's really come along i thought it was just gonna be the lillard show with a bunch of misfits and i've been proven wrong with mccollum but i'll continue to say that if you let any nba player take as many shots as mccollum is going to take they're going to score a lot of points that's right. why i think you should sell high on mccollum right now yeah it's interesting to think you know had if this team, for whatever reason, if if Lillard missed two months for for some injury or something, and they and they sunk back into the lottery and could end up with like a top three or four pick, I mean, all of a sudden, like you throw Brandon Ingram on this team, yes, like, this that's one of the teams that I almost kind of wish would would luck into a situation like that, but pretty unlikely to happen right now. <coughs> Excuse me, your final four in the East, and you know the way the seeding works out kind of ends up dictating this in some ways but i just want to pick who who are the four teams that are going to be standing at the end well, let's just assume that they you know it'll work out in in so far as they could all meet in the second round so i think we're on the same page here in saying cleveland and toronto will make the final four after that it's really anybody's guess and i'm going to go ahead and say boston I think Boston is a solid team. They could still be looming in the trade market or they could just do absolutely nothing at all. But what's funny is, you know, we always have the discussion, is it better just to be put in the lottery or is it better to go be an eight seed and get crushed four games in a row? And this is an instance where I think it was good for this Boston team to get a taste at playing Cleveland because if they hit the playoffs and they're a three seed, a four seed, they do know what it's like. They know that intensity, and it's the same core of guys. And I think this is one of the scenarios, you can't always say the same, that it was really good for them to make the playoffs even though they lost four straight. So I'm going to say Boston, finish it up. My fourth team, 
Uh, I'll say the Hawks if they don't trade anybody. Pacers, Pacers would be my other one. Um, after this trade today, here's what I'll Detroit? lock in. Yeah, yep. Here's what I'll lock in today: Cavs, Raptors, Celtics, and Pistons is my top four in the East. Yeah, this Pistons team, they sit right on the fringe uh, of the playoffs right now. A half game back of Charlotte, um, full game back of, of Chicago, really within striking distance of the third, the, the three seed. You know, I mean, that's, that's only a, a four and a half game gap. So that's not a team. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think that's a team you want to play in round one. They're not very deep, though. And when it comes to the playoffs, the rotation does shorten up a bit. But once you get beyond you know that starting five which which has just been kind of run to death so far um you know you lose a little bit of depth in this two for one trade maybe they make another addition but i don't know how much you want to be playing aaron baines i don't know how much you want to be playing anthony tolliver uh jody meeks guys like that in the playoffs so i think this is going to help detroit i think they're going to be really fun to watch all of a sudden and and the, the harris edition is kind of a nice wild card i think they'll definitely get in now i just i don't know if i can get them to the final four uh, I would pretty much agree with what you said. Cleveland, Toronto, to me, are looking like locks. Although I'll be interested to see if Toronto can kind of keep this up. I mean, as well as they played over the last month. Um, Same argument for in terms of the uh, the load being shouldered by two guys. It's it's yeah, your backcourt, Lowry, exactly. Lowry and DeRozan. It's it's hard to keep up for an entire season. Yeah, and they they said today that they're not interested in Markeith. If I'm Toronto, I, I'm not. I wouldn't go out of my way to to grab Markeith, but. If you can get a deal done, that's the kind of that's the kind of risky move, and I know there are some serious downside to it, but that's the kind of risky move that you might have to make if you want to tra- seriously challenge Cleveland. I completely agree, and you know we talk about who's a candidate for Dwight Howard, and it, there's just not a lot of good fits, and I think that Toronto is in a perfect position to say, yeah, let, let's give it a go. We are perfectly squarely in a position where we need to do this. We, you know, are not that our back is against the wall, but we have nothing left to lose. I mean, we might as well try it out. Howard, DeRozan, and Lowry could be a, a very sexy and dangerous team going up against the Cavs. Right. Yeah. And then Markeith, too. I mean, even Mark, even adding Dwight Markeith. would be awesome up there. That would be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. So who wins the East? Do we both agree that's Cleveland? Yep. We okay. can move on. And the West Final Four. I went Golden State, San Antonio, OKC. Those are the three automatic bids. Uh, and I think Dallas maybe can get there. Automatic bids. I wouldn't be, I like yeah. I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if Dallas moves into the five spot. Uh, once you know Memphis with with Gasol out, I think will we'll fall back. Dallas moves up maybe to the five. Yeah, I think they can beat the Clippers. I, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily pick that or, or put serious money on that, but it wouldn't be out of the question for me at all. No, I agree with you. We're we're both assuming that Memphis is going to slowly but surely slide out of this. It fifth might be spot. quickly and yes. very surely. <laughs> You're I don't right. know. I don't know why it would be slow. Yeah, no, no, you're completely right. I, I definitely misspoke there. So they're five right now. I would say it's between the Mavs and the Clippers, and I'd give it to the Mavs. So sure, the Clippers have been playing very well without Griffin, but you know, it, who knows how long it's going to last? Uh, when when JJ Redick is you know has a a lot of the burden of scoring and whatnot, then you know how good how good is your team truly? And I love JJ Redick a whole lot, but a, a team where JJ Redick is your third best player is is not somebody you really think of challenging for a title. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's true in in some ways. All right, who wins the West then? Is that Golden State? That's the answer. Yeah, I mean, I guess correct. Yes, I, I don't know why anybody would pick anything different. It's so hard. It's so so hard to really see, to really imagine anything else happening at this point. And I know I, the Spurs hype has kind of cooled off a little bit, even though their their numbers continue to be really really good. 
Um, I just, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to really see, to really see anyone challenging Golden State, assuming they're healthy. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I do think it's going to be fun. It's going to be one heck of a ride to get there. And I think that Golden State is very envious of the Cavaliers route to get there. But I, I think you are, you know, a little bit ludicrous to not, not pick the, not pick the Warriors. Best chance to challenge Steph for MVP you have Kawhi and LeBron, but I think you're wrong. I think that the the best challenger is Draymond Green. Oh. No? I mean, from a if you're looking at who's gonna win the award, I don't I don't I mean like he could steal votes from him maybe and allow someone else to kind of move up, but that was gonna kinda be my counter argument. I think Steph's gonna win the MVP, barring a sure. barring an injury really at this point. It's like he doesn't even have rough stretches anymore. Like that's just not a thing in his game. Um but yeah, the the only thing that I could really see is if it's too early probably for this, but if you want to go the voter fatigue route, you know, he's only won yes. one MVP and I don't I don't think he's done anything to fatigue voters. Uh but if if you're looking for a reason to not vote for Curry, I think the primary one would be you know, would he be this good without this coaching staff and without Draymond Green and without Clay? And that's a legitimate question in some ways, but he's also putting up just unbelievable numbers, efficient numbers. Like it, if you want to poke holes in the argument for Steph as MVP, you really need to you really need to get down there and, and search. You know what's so funny? We're like we really do poke holes in the Warriors most more so than other teams in the past. And when I say that, I mean in terms of MVP voting. Um, and like, how valuable is Draymond Green? How good is he? Do we ever do this? Kevin Durant, oh man, if he really had that system in the coaching, you know, MVP, uh, Michael Jordan, man, what a great system he had around him. Kobe Bryant, all those guys. Like, we never did that with him. I think people might have with MJ, though. I mean, we talked last week about him, you know, getting robbed of a few MVPs. He's a guy who easily, like, nobody would have complained if Jordan won the MVP eight times, but people found reasons not to give it to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, voter fatigue is a real thing, but uh, we are too, silent killer. Yeah, we are in love with Steph Curry. We are in love. Yeah, but I think that you know, let's just say Steph Curry sits out five games, and I think five games is all that's needed to change the tides of these MVP, MVP talks, um, or rather. Uh, switching that up and saying Draymond Green sits out five games. Remember when he set out that back-to-back game against Denver? I mean, the Warriors lost to the Denver Nuggets. Draymond Green was not playing. So I think just... That's a good Nuggets team, man. Yeah, come on, dude. Uh, I, you know, I just think that... Uh, I think Draymond Green is the closest to stealing it away from Steph um, just because we, we love this Warriors team too much right. not to give it to somebody there. I don't, I, I don't necessarily buy that argument. I think Durant, Westbrook, that's kind of been an issue for them maybe... You know who's more valuable to, to each help the other uh, stuff like that. I think it might take LeBron going crazy for a twenty-five game stretch. Kawhi, I for Kawhi to win it, I think the Warriors would have to fall off. I don't think he would have to necessarily change the way he's playing. He's not a guy you could say he'll just go on a stretch and he'll score forty-four games in a row. You know, like Kawhi just doesn't do that. He can't really do that right now. But if something happens with Golden State and they, and again, I think this would have to be an injury. Um, you know, and they they lose something like seven out of fifteen or something, and again, it would have to be a pretty drastic injury for something like that to happen. And the Spurs keep chugging along, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're close record wise, or the Spurs maybe end up with a better record. Then maybe you start hearing more of the Kawhi argument. Uh, but but really, again, I mean, it would take something tragic and drastic on the on the part of Golden State for that to happen. The only other thing I could think of, you know, barring 
barring an injury, is, is if Durant just goes nuts. I mean, he averaged over an 18-game stretch. I don't know if you remember, this was two seasons ago. I mean, I'm sure you do. Oh, when, I he was, when he was just on, you know, in the, in the, the, the zone of all zones, um, you know, averaging 36-7-6 and six on 54% shooting, 42% from three. That was over an 18-game span, so that would be more than half of the games remaining. And then he av- he also averaged thirty three six and six after the All Star break. I don't know if that would be enough, which sounds crazy. But I mean, if he, if he can do something like thirty five plus points per game over the next thirty, then maybe we have that talk. But I mean, it's just it, this is how good Steph is that we have to we have to be using. If Kevin Durant plays the absolute best basketball of his career for three straight months, then maybe he'll get in the conversation. I think a major part of it, and you alluded to it, is is standings. And so if that happens and the Thunder overtake the Warriors, then that's a legitimate argument to be had. Um, another good comparison here, and sorry I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Russell Westbrook last year. I mean, he propelled himself into the MVP discussions basically on the last two and a half months of the season when Kevin Durant was out. The triple-doubles. He did. Yeah. And that's the type of performance it would take. you know, sure. a Headline-grabbing multiple triple doubles. It would have to it would have to coincide with the team overtaking the Warriors as well. Right. Like this is I mean it's going to take so much that uh you know or like smirking even talking about it. It's it's ridiculous really. Okay, over/unders, some second half over/unders. These are a little bit more fun. Uh we'll go through these quickly. We're a little short on time. 72 Warriors wins. We'll come out and say it right away. They're at 48 and 4 right now, so 30 games remaining. Do they get to 72? Yeah, I think they get to 72. I think they get to 72. Okay, so they, they can go 24 and 6 the rest of the way, which yes. seems wildly attainable for them, right? Right. I think they do it too. I think they I think do it. It, We're again, both getting real giddy right, right now. I, kinda, I think they do it. It's getting pretty real. Um, all right, do the Lakers get over under 15 wins on the season? They're 11 and 44 right now. That's a, that's a 20% winning percentage. So Wait, taking, so you're asking me if they're going to get four more wins over the course of the rest of the season? Yeah. Yes, I think they will get... I mean, percentage-wise, I don't know if they get there. I mean, they're winning two out of every ten. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess the numbers should say they games. get... I don't think it's crazy to, for them to... If the Warriors can go 26-4, and four, the Lakers can go 4-26. and 26. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I mean, it's still the Kobe show. That's, that's the most important thing in L.A. right now. That's true. And, well, the other thing is the, the Lakers don't have that many games left. I mean, they only have 27 so, I mean, that's that's another part of it. Percentage-wise, I mean, so, you're right. Yeah, so can they go 4-23? and 23? <laughs> Absolutely, they can. <laughs> All right, so, you, so you're taking the... What's your official over-under? Um, I'll say they win 17 games. Okay, so you're going over. I, I'll take... Yeah. Uh, I think I'll take right on and go 15. Okay. Curry, 30 points per game uh, after game 82. He's at 29.8 right now. I don't think he's going to stay at 30. I mean, how many like records can you uh, publicly try to break all at one time? Like they're, they're publicly trying to beat the all-times win record. And to, for him to, or for the team to like make sure he gets 30 points per game too, I don't just think be a bit too much. I don't know if it would be the team going out of their way. I mean, he's 0.2 away from it right now, the way he's playing. The, I, I'm going to say under only because I think they don't have really too many issues the rest of the way. And, it's it i don't know i mean i i'm just inclined to 
to assume he keeps up this pace or you know i'm a little bit pessimistic with this stuff maybe he doesn't play quite as well and he averages like some you know 29.2 or something for the year i, I don't know I, I don't think he gets over 30 and there's all the more incentive to rest him in fourth quarters in the second half of the season so that, that's well that, one that's lesson. what it might come down to is are they going to keep resting him if they're sitting with say they say they go into the last two weeks of the season with eight losses you know, I mean, exactly. at what point do you start? You can still do your routine fourth quarter rest, but that's assuming that you're up big in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, I, I think that they're already going a little bit out of their way to break a record when they don't need to. Like, they're going to lock up the one seed no problem, and they're still going to go out of their way to break the record. Going out of their way even further to make sure it gets 30 points per game is verging on ludicrous for me. All right. Uh, five games separating Cleveland and Toronto by the end of the regular season over under. Right now, the Cavs are up three games. I'm going to say over. I think the Cavs pull away. I think that there's, you know, they have so many different players that they can rely on, whereas Toronto, like we've said multiple times, they only have two, and that's going to be hard. You can't sustain that for an entire 82-game season. Yep, I agree. I think Toronto comes back down to earth a little bit, and I think assuming Cleveland doesn't make a drastic move, I think they're, they'll be fine, and they'll, they'll keep winning at this, at this rate. Um, and again, I think it's more of a Toronto regressing thing than a Cleveland really hammering on the gas. One and a half made Jabari Parker three pointers by the end of the season. He's currently he's currently zero for seven, but he did hit one in the rookie soft game. Um, I'm going to say over just because he has the ball. I don't know why, but he has the ball at the end of shot clocks, and I've seen a lot of those sevens um, that you're referring to in the O of sevens from beyond the arc have come when he just has to heave it up, and I think he's good for two of those at least before the end of the year is over i'm taking the under i think maybe he gets one but yeah, i put it at one and a half for a reason it, we it need would, to, we need unfathomable to for him to get to two we need to pull some historic podcasts because three <coughs> months ago when we kicked this season off i i was more pessimistic about him and you were trying to pull me up and now you are further way further pessimistic about him than i ever was yeah i mean it's rightfully so <laughs> all right 380 made steph curry three-pointers over under he's at 245 right now 50 games left that puts him mathematically on pace for 392 yeah i i say over this is <laughs> this is happening this is happening i mean if he plays as he has now it, it'll happen basically is, is how it'll work so well here's here's the difference between this and the 30 points per game is that i think these three pointers will happen organically whereas 30 points per game might be a little more forced does that I make sense i really don't think that the there's ever that mindset of we need to get Steph 30 points. I don't think any, that's not that much of a milestone. It'd be one thing if it was 40. Hey, we've seen scoring titles come down to last games and, yeah. and teams and coaches are more than happy with letting Carmelo shoot or Durant shoot. Yeah. yeah. Kobe we'll Bryant see. shoot at will at the, that age. The thing about Steph game. is he can just shoot whenever he wants from wherever he wants. Like if he, if he, if he cares that much about getting to 30 points per game, he'll make sure it happens. All right. 28 games played for LeBron love and Kyrie together. The rest of the way, 30 games left. For the Cavaliers. Under, 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 under. I mean, when we're talking about Love, who has faced a lot of injuries, Kyrie, who has been one of the most injury-prone players, I'll throw him in the same category as Anthony Davis. I don't think there's any way they play 28 games together when there's 30 left, especially when we're talking about a team that's going to pull away in the East and probably rest altogether. Yeah, that's true. That's what it might come down to, really, is you know maybe LeBron sits out three of the last four, and then there it is right there. But um yeah i think for that reason i'll say the under as well hassan whiteside ejections the rest of the way he has one so far on the year which is you know fewer than i would have thought 
Um, but is, does he get to? Does he ha- Does he get over one and a half over these last thirty or so games? I mean, we're all pleasantly surprised that he's still in the NBA. So just having one tech is is pretty good. I think he gets thrown out quite a bit three times over the rest of the year. Chris Bosh potentially not on the court to rein him in and kind of channel his his inner rage. Uh, we're going over here as the wheels over, fall okay. off Miami. I'm going to go under. I think he gets one. He'll get one ejection. I don't, it'll be something ridiculous uh possibly violent we'll see uh probably something to do with a, a block shot maybe, maybe he gets ejected for you know, arguing with the official scorer something like that uh could be on a goaltending call so block shots are going to be involved but i think he gets he gets kicked out of one more game uh pop quiz who leads the league in technical fouls this year um, Russ was the leader last year. Yeah, I was going to say Russ, KD has it's kind of like dark KD a little bit. Uh, Blake Griffin is always an option. Matt Barnes is up there. Demarcus Cousins. Uh, did I name one of those? I didn't get Matt, it. Matt Barnes. That's a good guess. He's always up there, man. No, he is. I know. I just I I would never have even thought to guess that. I'll say Cousins. It is not Demarcus Cousins. It is Dwight. Howard. Really? Ladies and gentlemen, 12 technicals, two ejections. DeMarcus Cousins is number two. Draymond's number, oh, also tied at number two with 11. Uh, yeah, Dwight Howard, 12 technicals. Okay. Get that trade value up. <laughs> Kobe Bryant, highest single game scoring total the rest of the way, 30 and a half. Over, over, over. Can you imagine? And when, a half. <laughs> can you imagine the rest of the way? Like when it's actually his last game, I don't think anybody on this team is going to touch the ball on the offensive end. Like he's going to. I don't know. He's shown a little more grace. Like if that was the case, I think he would have done that in the All Star game, and he was more than fine with just kind of being there. Yeah, that's that's a little different when you're playing on the same team as all these young guys. And it would be the Roy most Kobe Hibbert's- thing ever to to score forty five points on last like fifty two shots in his last game ever. Yeah, his last game at Staples Center, he's he's going to try to score 100. And I think even the opposing team might be like, okay, yeah, as long as we score 101, <laughs> let's do this thing. Oh, man, that would be – first of all, there's a 0% chance that happens. Second of all, I want that to happen so badly. <laughs> Kobe just shoots every time. All right, do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix has something for you. It's used by more than 75 million people worldwide. Wix makes it easy to get your website live today need to get the word out about your business it all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer made customizable templates to choose from the drag and drop editor there's no coding needed you don't need to be a programmer nor do you need to be a designer dj trainer to create something beautiful you can do it yourself with wix.com wix empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day when you're running your own business you're bound to be busy too busy too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that is where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it is easy and it's also free. Go to Wix, that's W-I-X.com to create your own personal website today. The result is stunning. So we have a couple different media rooms here in the Rotowire office. And today we're in kind of like the B, the number two media room, if you can tell the difference. Yeah, the the two seat, if you can tell the difference. Um, But in this particular room, me and Waylon are forced to sit directly across from each other. And when you say my full name and you look me in the eyes straight across, I don't don't know how I feel about that, man. What? What do you want me to say? I I don't know. I just think... I mean, either like not say your name or not look at you. Is is it like the combination of the two? I, I just think it's like an aggressive... 
aggressive. Yeah, DJ. well, it's like, listen up. Like, this is a great deal. Wix.com. You yeah. need a website. You got a tennis podcast coming out. I yeah, want you me, to hear this. Let me do this for you. Uh, of course, if you want to check out our Rotowire website, Nick Whalen, uh, <laughs> feel free to head yeah, over to rotowire.com. Sure you attention. <laughs> feel free to it's head like, over to rotowire.com forward slash pod. That's P-O-D to check out all of our content. We're getting into baseball. So if you like baseball, lots of... <laughs> oh, did this turn into like a real plug for the site now? <laughs> yes, right. it was. It, it was the whole time. You thought this is a go. joke. Um, but we've got you know, pre-draft rankings, cheat sheets, projections, draft software. Check it out. It's time for the newest installment of trivia, Nick Whalen. You ready for this? I am ready. All right. So lots of trade talk. We're going to... First three questions here are going to involve trades. So June twenty, yeah, June twenty fourth, nineteen ninety eight. Let me take you back. Twenty year old Dirk Nowitzki was traded away from Milwaukee, where he was actually drafted um, as the ninth overall pick to Dallas for who? And let me remind you that player X was the sixth overall pick. Um, ended up going to Milwaukee. Dirk in Patty or Pat Garrity was the other half of that deal. Patty Garrity, I do Patty like Garrity. He was he was some of those great uh on some of those great T Mac magic teams. Um I think I know the answer to this. I think you know you said what person was he traded for? I think thing might be the better oh, adjective. Okay. Uh what object or what vehicle? Uh tractor trailer. Yep. Boom boom boom. Rest in peace. Robert Tractor Trailer was traded yes. for Dirk Nowitzki on draft night, June twenty fourth, nineteen ninety eight. So number two, July first, two thousand seven. Um, Kevin Garnett to Boston for five players and two 2009 first round picks. Um, Which turned into? Yep. So these, well, that draft, the 2009 draft, let me just say what this eventually kind of turned into for Minnesota was the year that they drafted Johnny Flynn, Rubio, Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Nicolathis. That's a whole lot of point guards there, Minnesota. What a draft. What yeah. a and draft. And then uh, traded the best of those three. Yep. Traded the best of all <laughs> of them. Um, but anyways, there were some actual players involved. So Kevin Garnett to Boston for five players, not including two of those picks I just mentioned. How many of those five players can you name? Nick Whalen. Kevin Garnett to Boston. So this is very hard, by the way. Who is I would Boston have gotten sending zero. back to Minnesota, basically. Exactly. I would have gotten zero of these. Okay. Well that, that that's not great. Doesn't instill a lot of confidence. Um two thousand seven. So I'm just trying to think of like who was on that Wolves team after that, which it's a good way to approach I, I wanna I'm trying to search it on my browser. I just it just says like I think it's blocked. I have, to, I have to confirm that I'm 18 before I can look at this. Jeez, um, let's see. Was Darko involved? Nope. Shoot, that's, that's always that's always the first guess. Just yes. to be safe. Yeah. Um, Gonna cleanse the palate with the Darko. Who is that Celtics mentioned. team, man? This is t- this is hard, man. This is. I mean, well, I feel like we should still know some of them. I mean, they got to be they got to be some names in this, right? There's two players still in the league right now today. Antoine Walker. No. Um, okay, well he, well, he was just a general guess. Yeah. <laughs> He's another one of those guys you want to get out of the way. <laughs> Courtney Lee, Kevin no. Martin. Uh, both good guesses. No, I don't know. I don't know any of them. Okay. So in order of importance or relevance, Theo Ratliff was one. Hey, all right. Uh, Ryan Gomes was another. Mm. Sebastian Telfair was one I thought you might have pulled. I should have pulled. Um, Gerald Green 
was one. And then probably the most notable one, I would say, is Al Jefferson, Ugh, who went on to really do nothing in Minnesota. But uh, Well, yeah, I mean, somewhat. He, was, he, he, did, he, he was didn't solid. take off until he, he went to Utah. But anyway, so that was uh, the trade. So essentially what you had was for one Kevin Garnett – you had those five players you just mentioned, and then take your pick of those of those. That was like a slightly past his prime, Kevin Garnett. Yes, too. And that's yes, kind of important was. to remember when you look at some of these deals, and you think, you know, a superstar in his prime, aka Blake Griffin, and you're you're just trying to send back, you know, eh, maybe we can do Gallo and Fareed. Like it takes a haul to get these guys. There is historical precedent for that. Exactly, exactly right. So Gomes, Green, Jefferson, Ratliff, Telfair. Uh, the pick that turned into Flynn, and essentially, I think it was Calathis for one person. So when you're talking about acquiring, hey, they the won Blake the title Griffin, the next year. Yeah, Blake Griffin, I think, is is more promising than that Kevin Garnett was at that time in 2007. Right? Uh, I don't know. I think he was comparison. still he was still kind of at the peak of his powers. Okay, but I mean, things rapidly deteriorated after that with the abdominal injury and and things like that. Sure, I think. I would maybe side with you in that Blake is is certainly more talented and has more potential at this point. I think there's a large contingent of people who would fight you that Garnett was the more valuable guy. Either way, that should show you what it will take to get a player of right. Blake Griffin's ta- caliber. So like you're saying, everybody, you know... The- you're going to have to trade Ryan Gomes. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just going to have to do it, right? You're going to have to part with Sorry, Theo I mean, if you have to If you have to trade Theo Ratliff, that's what it takes. Uh, but in general, you know, there's a lot that goes into acquiring even just one star-studded talent. Third one here, and then this will be the last for these types of questions. July 14th, 2004. If you're listening astutely, you should recognize that these are three of the most blockbuster trades of all time, and they all happen in the summer, people. So I don't want to temper anybody's expectations for the next couple of days, but you know the big ones kind of happen in the summer. So Shaq to Miami for three players and two picks. Um, and those two picks turned into Jordan Farmar in 2006, and the other pick was ultimately given to Dallas, who took Ronaldo Sabutis in t- 2007. But going back to it, Shaq to Miami for three players. Can you name those three players? Uh, I will attempt to name those three players. Let's see. So who would have gone back to the Lakers? I'm going to say Lamar Odom. Yes. And you know what? That turned into, essentially, it was a pretty good deal because both teams went on to win championships after that trade happened. It did. Rarely do you see something like that occur. Very true. Um, Karan Butler? Yeah. Get it, guy. Okay. Um, One more. I don't expect you to get him. So so is it lesser known than those two guys? Most definitely. Uh, oh, man. I want to say Ronnie Turioff, but this could be pre-Turioff. That's a good guess. Um, oh, Brian Grant. Yeah, you okay. cheater. Nice. No, I didn't, I'm not cheating on that. Uh, Ronnie Turioff led me onto the Brian Grant train of thought with the hair. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, you nailed that. I don't know why I somehow knew those, but not the the three years more recent <laughs> Timberwolves. <laughs> right. Uh, yep, so Shaq for essentially Jordan Farmer, a pick later to be traded, Karan Butler, Brian Grant, Lamar Odom. So I, was, I had mentioned Odom to you before the podcast. It, I thought he had been, I thought he came to LA much later than that. Uh, apparently no, not. 2004. <laughs> so either way, again, another instance where you are giving up a lot to get just one individual talent there. Um, some quick hitters here. Who is drafted oh, higher? Man. So we're going to start in way back 2005. Ursan Ilyasova or my boy Lou Williams? He's got to be close. Uh, I'll say Ursan. You're correct. 
guys. Ilyasova was the 36th overall pick to Milwaukee. Williams was the 45th overall to the 76ers, both, of course, in the second round. So considering how far they've lingered, not bad picks. Not no, bad no, picks at not all. at all. The Bucks, the Bucks have actually drafted very well in non-high lottery situations. Yeah, I was about to say, Joe Alexander, that yeah, draft was the very Back-to-back, good. Yee and, and, uh, and oh. Joe, you know, that'll get you. But The Joe Alexander draft was stacked. That was a good draft, and they picked Joe Alexander. Yeah, um, I don't want to talk about it. We'll keep it going here. 2006, Kyle Lowry or Rajon Rondo? I think these guys were both in, in the 20s. Yes, they um, were. Jeez. I'm just going to guess. I'll, I'll say Lowry. No, Rondo was 21st overall Ugh. to Phoenix, later traded to Boston, of course. Lowry was 24th, so three picks apart, went to Memphis. Okay. Next question, 2007, a couple of just like tried and true NBA talents here. Rodney Stuckey or AC Law? Yeah, shout out to Eastern Washington. Um Man, AC Law, AC Law is my second all-time favorite college player. I should I know. know this. Um, I think Stucky. Nah, uh, uh, did AC Law go? I, I'm gonna, no. I'm going to say AC Law. I think he went in the lottery to Atlanta or just outside the lottery. Yeah, you're right. Um, Law was 11th overall to Atlanta. Stucky was 15th overall oh, okay. to Detroit. Whew. So, I would have thought later for Stucky. Okay. Yeah. No, he he snuck up in there. Uh, 2008, DeAndre Jordan. Or Omer Ashik. This was Jordan. I think was draft. fairly early in the second round. So I'll say Jordan. You are correct. Jordan was thirty fifth overall to the Clippers. Ashik was thirty six. So back Ouch, to back geez, to Portland. Okay. Of course, later traded to Chicago. Just a couple more of these. That seems ones. like forever ago that he was on the Bulls. Yeah, it, it really does. Uh, young budding talent that had to get out of there because he deserved to be a starter. Got to sign that guy to a five year deal. ASAP. Yep. Uh, re- nice recall back to earlier in the pod. Two more of these left. DeMar DeRozan in 2009 or Drew Holiday? DeRozan. Correct. DeRozan was ninth overall to Toronto, where he still currently plays. Holiday was 17th overall to Philadelphia. Last one here. I feel like you should know this one because you've talked about this before. Uh, Ekpe Udo or DeMarcus Cousins going back to the 2010 draft. Cousins went higher. I think you're trying to trick me. Didn't he? It's it's a very simple question. Ekpe Udo or DeMarcus Cousins? DeMarcus Cousins. Did Did Udo really go ahead of him? Cousins was ahead. Okay. But they went back to back. See, reverse psychology'd me. No, I didn't reverse (laughs) anything. I asked you a question and then you psyched yourself out. Yeah. Cousins went fifth overall to Sacramento, which is a (laughs) seal. Udo was sixth overall to the Warriors. Very Man, that Warriors organization, they do everything right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Moving on here to some more topical to this particular season. Who's averaging more points per game this season? Kevin Love or Derek Rose? Jeez. Um, Kevin Love? Wrong. Derrick Rose is averaging 15.9 points per game. Kevin Love is averaging 15.7. Get him in the All-Star game, folks. Derrick Rose. Oh, I thought you were talking about Love. Okay, sure. No way, man. Get him in the All-Star game. Uh, who's averaging more rebounds per game this season? Julius Randle or the brow Anthony Davis? I, if you want to play mind games, I think let's it's, play mind I games. think it's got to be Davis. I think Randall per minute it may, might be top three in the league, but I'll, I'll say Davis overall. They are tied. 
flat wow. 10 per game. Did not see that coming. Yeah, it's pretty interesting considering Randall has come off the bench for large portions of the season. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. And his coach hates his guts. So Yeah, that, that's a pretty big uh, impetus to, to putting up good numbers. Yeah, uh, bonus question going off that, who's the highest ranked guard for rebounds? So no shooting guard, small forward combo, the, you know, a true tried and true guard. I had an answer for this and I forgot it now. Um, oh, is it Westbrook? Yep, okay. 7.6 per game. Good pull there. Last question, and then there's one more bonus. Who's averaging more assists per game this season? I feel like this is a trap. Matthew Dellavedova or Mike Conley? I, I got I to gotta play it safe here and, and go Conley. Good play. Conley is 6.1. Delhi's at 4.8, but Delhi uh, has the 28th most assists in the league. Pre-Kyrie, Delhi might have, those numbers might have been a lot closer. You know, I'm assuming Delhi's assist per game was falling quite a bit. Most definitely. Last question, it's a bonus here. Who's the highest ranked non-point guard for assists this year? Draymond? Yep, Draymond Green with 7.2, outpacing numerous point guards this year. Yeah, I mean, LeBron's got to be close. He's having a nice year. Yep, he's the the second. I think he's top 20. He's pretty good. He's he's the second non-point guard for assists, but that's all I got. Good job, Nick. All right. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Yeah, that was one of our more well-executed uh trivia is no no controversies no like look into the the fictional rule book um yeah we'll be back at it next week uh hopefully we'll have some trades to discuss i would assume that we will by that point um but you know in the meantime head over to rotowire.com we'll have all of the trades covered on the website uh, all the fantasy implications of course of those trades so be sure to check that out